Okay, so here we go. We are recording. We are live, and we're going to be doing laws of Yom Kippur from the Shulchan Aruch, Code of Jewish Law, of the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe. And we're going to start in the middle, because I think it's a fascinating topic, the requirement to appease one another on Yom Kippur. In the Hebrew, so this is section 606. One should appease one's fellow on Erev Yom Kippur, on the eve of Yom Kippur. Bo Yedal contains 14 sections. I'll start with Al-Chaim on my ginger tea. Fantastic. Has some jalapeno honey in it and apple cider vinegar, in case you're wondering. How it got to be this color. And a little thing of ginger from Israel. You know, they come in the frozen like they do with the garlic. Frozen garlic. They make frozen ginger. They make everything from Israel. Anyway, so here's what happens. Aleph. Aved or Shevinadam Aveira. Aveira is a sin. Transgression. Shevinadam Aveira. That is between one person and his fellow. In other words, not between you and God. You didn't forget to read the Shema one day. You did something to another person. You harmed another person. You... So the day of Yom Kippur does not atone for you until you appease your fellow. That's from the Mishnah. 85b, this is the tractate Yoma. Yom Kippur. It's tracted by Yom Kippur. It's right out of the Mishnah. In other words, Yom Kippur is a day of atonement. God forgives us. He says, ah, let's, we'll let past things be past. But when it comes to things you didn't do to God only, but you did it to another person, that you've got to seek forgiveness, not from God, but from that person. As it is written, Dr. Rebbe cites the verse from the Torah, from Leviticus, chapter 16, verse 30, On this day, God will atone for you to purify you from all your sins before the Lord. Lefnei Hashem. We derive from there, it's only the sins that you did in front of the Lord that you're going to be atoned for. But if it's not just in front of the Lord, it's in front of your fellow, that's a problem. Yom Kippur will not atone for the sins that you've done to another person until you appease that person. This is from Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, who we know from the Haggadah. He says this in the Mishnah. Therefore, therefore, when is a so it's a good time, good time on Erev Yom Kippur that you should think about this and go and appease any person that you sinned against him. This comes from the Rush, Rabbeinu Asher. Even if you didn't really, you didn't smash his car window, you didn't step on his toe, you just kind of teased him. You got him upset with words alone. So you have to go and appease him. And to ask him to please forgive you. And when you go and ask for forgiveness, you can't just say, hey, can you forgive me? The guy will say, for what? Even though he knows what it is. 
but you have to go and you got to say, please forgive me for X, Y, Z, which I did. You got to be able to own it, own up to what you did and say it and say, please forgive me for doing such and such to you. I want to guess that comes from the Bach, by the way, who we heard about in our Ruth, Ruth class, or the old circus, circus. He writes about that. If, however, when you, if you're going to delineate exactly what you did to your fellow, it's going to cause shame to your fellow. It's going to remind him of something shameful and embarrass him further, then obviously you don't want to do that because you don't want to gain atonement for yourself at the expense of your fellow. That comes from the Magen Avram, Rabbi Abraham Gambina. So we think the Rebbe, by the way, is we had a question of what exactly is Alter Rebbe doing with this Shulchan Aruch that's different than Rabbi Yosef Karo. So as we saw, as we went through this halacha, comes it comes from things from the Mishnah, which are obviously will be in Shulchan Aruch as well. But we got things uh, from the Rosh, Rabbi Nwasher. We got things from the Gemara, which would also be in Shulchan Aruch. But we got things from the Bach, which wouldn't be in Shulchan Aruch. And we got things from the Magen Avram, which also would not be in the Shulchan Aruch. Now I want to just guess that the Alter Rebbe, I don't think, is suggesting that you should wait until Erev Yom Kippur in order to go and appease your fellow. Right? You should do it right away because every minute that there's a lack of peace amongst us, that's a problem. It's not good. It's not healthy. It's not functional. Rather, I think what the Alter Rebbe is saying, what the Gemara is saying is that Erev Yom Kippur is a good day to wake up and say, hey, have I been lax in this particular duty? Have I overlooked it? Because, let's face it, it's not a comfortable thing to go and say I made a mistake, to show vulnerability, you never know what's going to happen. No? <laughs> Ron, you agree? <laughs> How much time do you have, Rabbi? <laughs> we need to talk about this. This is a very complicated issue. I hear you, man. So I think what Dr. Rebbe is saying is it's something that you could easily brush under the rug and it's kind of like spring cleaning, except it's not spring, I don't think. And it's about cleaning your relationships and making sure that you have peace. Um, yeah, so this comes from the rush. The rush is the one who says that Arab Yom Kippur it's a good time to go and say, I'm sorry. Anyone else have any comment on this before we go to the next one? Well, um, yeah, I have a question. What, so from a practical standpoint, how would you deal with this? Because I think we inadvertently hurt people many times. We don't know. Uh, what do you do? What's, give us some uh, practical tips from the rabbi and what he does. Practical tips. That's a great question. Uh, why don't we go a little further into the Alter Rebbe and see if there's much more on this. There's many more halachot about it. And let's see if our questions are maybe answered along the way somewhat. And if we still have questions uh, uh, as we go through it, let's go back to it. Because some of it might be answered with this. I just want to go through this again because it was a lot to unpack in this particular halacha. Number one, we got that Yom Kippur is not going to help us with things between us and other people. That was the, the, the main point. And we got that that's why you should try to take care of that before Yom Kippur. And we also got that even if it wasn't anything significant, it was just, ah, you upset him, you said something that get embarrassed, that upset him or something, 
you still have to go and ask for forgiveness, even if there's no, nothing, uh, nothing he can take to court on you. Still, you have to do, ask forgiveness. And then we at this final point, which is number, which had two sides of it. One is that you have to say what you did. You can't get away with, "Can you forgive me?" That's the that's a cheap way out. Please forgive me for anything I did. All right, you got to tell me what it is, sir. And the second thing, other side of that is, is that there's sometimes when you don't want to explicate what you exactly you did to the person because that will just embarrass them further. Remember that time that I made a complete fool out of you the other day? I want you to forgive me. <laughs> okay, let's go to number two. If he, let's say you go to the guy and he's not such an easygoing guy. He's not such a pushover, and he's maybe a little stubborn. Remaining with spice with Pamrish, and you ask him, please, can you forgive me? He's not appeased first time round. What should you do? Do you say, well, I tried? No, you got to try again. You got to go back and ask him again. Now, from, that, from this expression, you have to go back. It's not like you, you can go up to him and ask him three times. Do you forgive me? Do you forgive me? Do you forgive me? No, you got to ask him, give him some time to think about it. And if he still hasn't forgiven you, you come back again. Second time around. This is from the Torah and the Shulchan Arach. It's in the Gemara. And also, you have to come with another form of conciliation. You can't come back with the same tactic. Which is interesting. Iran already starting to answer a little bit. You know, how, what exactly do you do? So now we're seeing that you got to be creative. The first way doesn't work. If chocolate didn't work, you got to bring him some uh, some avocado. So this is from the Maril. The Maril was a great uh, Ashkenazic codifier back in the 1300s. So he gives us this idea that you have to try different things. If the person is still not appeased, you got to go back a third time. And try you did the chocolate, you did the avocado. Now you got to try to offer him a free vacation in Tahoe. And whenever, each time that you go to appease him, even the first time around, you should take three people with you and try to appease him in front of them. So that's another interesting point. We're starting to answer the questions, which is to take people with you now i am going to guess and jump in here and say that in certain circumstances that will make things worse again if it's something that's embarrassing to the person as we saw before you don't want to ex explicate what happened if you're going to bring three other people and it embarrasses the person then perhaps that is something to stay away from now what happens if you did it three times you offered him the chocolate, you offered him the avocado, you gave him the vacation in Tao, you bought your three people with you each time, and he still says, sorry, dude, I don't forgive you, and I'm unimpressed with your offerings. What happens now? Shuv ein zokokloi. One is no, under no further obligation to him. That comes from Rabbi in the Gemara and in the Shulchan Aruch. Nevertheless, you have to go and tell 10 people, tell to the public, which 10 people is considered the public, 
that you went ahead and, and went through this exercise to try and appease him, and he refused to be appeased. Today, now why do you have to go through this exercise of telling 10 people or telling the public that you tried? Why do you have to do that? Alter Rebbe explains, and this comes from the Lavush, Rabbi Jaffe, Kidei, Shelo Yachshidu Abriyais. So that people will not suspect you. Because if you don't announce this, and the person is still angry at you, then what's the impression in the community? The community thinks, ah, if he's still angry at him, that means he didn't go to try to appease him. Why didn't he go to try to appease him? Because he's too, he didn't have the humility. It takes humility to go and humble yourself in front of your fellow and ask him for forgiveness. So people will assume that you didn't do your, your duty to try and appease the person. Therefore, you have to make it known in order to clear your name in the community that you tried your best. Let's take a pause here and open it up to comments and or questions. If you're on mute, feel free to unmute yourself to weigh in. Okay, I'll open. So the first question is, I think a lot of times you, you know, I, I am unaware that I've, you know, you've hurt anyone's feelings. I mean, I, I guess this, if you know that you've hurt someone's feelings or done something, that would be the one to start with for sure. Um, and often, I don't know, in some relationships, you know someone's upset, but you don't know what they're upset about. So you, if, so you're, if, you, if you know you that... You can't be specific and ask, you can't say, I'm sorry I upset you because of X or Y or whatever, you know what I mean? Because you don't know what you're my brother-in-law every year sends out a blast email saying, if I have offended you, yeah. you get these from other people? So he hedges his, his bets. So I think that's a good question. So we're getting some feedback from, from one, of, one of our listeners here. Um, I think it's a good question. If somebody is upset at you, I think let me, let me understand if I'm getting this question right. If... Um, if 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 you somebody seems to be upset at you but you're not sure exactly why then you are wondering what do you do so i think i would say i mean uh, this may sound very simple but what's the problem with asking them i say hey you seem to be upset at me uh is that is there something did i do something to you did i say something did i do something i feel really badly you know i cherish our, our relationship i you know, really enjoy spending time with you. I respect you. And, you know, is there something that I did? Sometimes people are busy. And they got busy with something. Either, you know, sometimes, God forbid, something very serious is going on in their lives. And they just disappear off the map. And, you know, that could, that could, could be. That's what's happening. But it could also be they are upset. So how does that sound? Does it sound like a good idea? Yeah, that, that sounds reasonable. You know, I mean, it's out, obviously, you know, it says, it's trying to imply you should not send a, a blank email to everyone or facsimile or whatever. <laughs> I apologize. Get on the speaker. Um, uh, my question is to you, uh, you know, it's about sincerity of what you're doing. You know, you're supposed to be sincerely asking for forgiveness, not just formally because it's required by the law. Simple one thing, and also the person who you ask for forgiveness is supposed to sincerely forgive you. 
say, okay, I forgive you, but he still can have a grudge against you. You know, sometimes it happens too. Because he can formally say, yes, I forgive you. But what's important, the formally declared forgiveness or actually to, you know, to have this forgiveness happen? You know, this to me is, you know, important. Uh, sorry to interrupt, Hill, but there's somebody who's got some noise in the background. I can't figure out who it is. So if you have, if you hear noise in your ear, then we hear it also over the Zoom waves. So if you just put on mute, that will be helpful. So Hillel, if I understand what you're saying correctly, is that there's sometimes you ask somebody, "Can you forgive? Do you forgive me for what I did?" And they say, "Yep, I forgive you," but they actually don't mean it. They're just—they don't want to get into the whole thing. No, I don't forgive you. Then you're gonna come back with the avocados. They know the drill, so they're like, "I forgive you. Get out of here." <laughs> you know. That's right. Um, so I think that if you—that is your sense, then they didn't really forgive you. It's just words. I mean, the words are, are nothing. The words are nothing. So I think you have to assume. You have to consider it as if you weren't forgiven. If that's your sense and you've got to come back a second time as if they had said, I don't forgive you. That would be my my opinion. And then you got to, as he said before, you got to come back with a different tactic. You can't just come back with the same words. Do you forgive me? You got to You got to you got to rethink it again. And as I'm thinking about this, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the, this exercise of coming back a second time and that you can't just say three times. Do you forgive me? Do you forgive me? Do you forgive me? Done. <laughs> is that when you go back the second time, you go home and you walk back to your house and you talk to your wife about it and you say, the guy didn't forgive me. And your instinct is this, maybe to say, you know, this guy is so stubborn and blah, blah, blah. And then you, then you remember the halacha that you learned actually is your obligation to go a second time. You say, well, maybe there was something wrong with the way I asked to forgive. Maybe I was kind of excusing myself while I was asking forgiveness. I was also explaining that it wasn't really my fault. And it was actually his fault. that He provoked me and so forth. Yeah. Or I was having yeah. a bad day. I'm sorry I offended you, but. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm Wait, so but Rabbi, isn't there a halacha where you, you, assuming the person asks for forgiveness in a genuine manner, you have to forgive them. Right, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay, get because, because of Hashkacha protest, essentially. Everything bad happens, happens for a reason. So Right, right. Okay. But when you go back and you think about it, you say, you know, sometimes people will, will especially politicians, they'll say, I'm sorry that you were offended by what I said. You know, they don't want to take culpability that they actually said something offensive. They make it like, you're the crazy person who was offended by the normal thing that I said. And so I apologize that you are a, you know, unusual person to have been offended by what I said. I apologize that you are... Unusual. I say that a lot. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't. Well, you should become a politician. It's supposed to be like a tissue. It's supposed to be happening that you're really sorry for what you're doing inside yourself. Exactly. So there's all kinds of ways to do a non-apology apology. And so the first time, Maybe you did a non-apology apology, and so you go home, you think about it, and you've got to come back and say, figure about a better way. Or maybe you weren't really contrite. Maybe that, you know, because it's not just the words that you use. The, um, you know, your emotions come through, your body language comes through. If you're not really contrite and you're just going through the motions, it's going to come through. So you've got to go through this again. Hey, wait, maybe I'm not really contrite. Maybe I don't really, I'm not really conveying that. Then there's something wrong with what I'm doing. You try it a second time. So this is, uh, it still didn't work. Okay, but you did better than this first time, hopefully. You go back, you regroup, 
and you delve into it again and you get to a higher level of contrition, you get to a better way of, of relating to this person and, and revealing your true feelings and your contrition. And at this point, if the person doesn't forgive you after the third time, it's not an endless black hole that you have to be, you know, feel guilty about this for the rest of your life. He's saying, that's it. You tried. You tried three times and you really, and, you, and this is really something that you have to be honest with yourself, that you didn't just go through the motion three times, that you actually, um, you actually really went through this exercise sincerely and then you, and you only you can know that. And if it still didn't work, then you could say, all right, I tried. And you, and you let people know that you tried. And, and then, you, you know, you, you, you can pray. You can pray for peace. Rabbi, isn't the important part of that that you're really checking your own heart? I mean, to say, look, did I, did I really mean that? I mean, you know, like you said, you know. And if you try that and then you try different methods as much as you can, at that point, really, I mean, it's, if they can't forgive that, that's on them, isn't it, at that point? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I don't I don't know how you would would relate to the person. I mean, the, the Alter Rebbe is saying that you're no longer obligated to go and appease them a fourth and a fifth and a sixth time. But from a humble perspective, you, you might say, well, I may be technically, uh, you know, absolved at this point. But um, I may be technically absolved at this point, but I don't know that you want to go around thinking uh you know this guy is just whatever you know he's he can't he can't get over it but you i think you from a humble perspective you would take it upon yourself and say well i guess i couldn't didn't do a good enough job but halacha says i'm done so i'm just gonna pray for peace and i hope there's ever an opportunity for me to, to do something nice for this person i'll try and um but i'm not going to you know, spend the rest of my life trying to get this person to forgive me. Okay. Anybody else want to share something before we go to number three? This is a heavy topic. Yeah. I'll make another comment. You guys just tell me to shut up if you want to. <laughs> I knew about this a lot. I've tried this actually with a business associate um, who I, over the many years had like, we both had issues, you know, part of having a partner, you can fight with them a lot. And I thought it was pretty terrific, actually. And I think it was very powerful. So if you haven't tried this, even if you do, don't do it correctly or perfectly or anything, if you give this a go, it was really good. I have also tried it with a family member three times and it hasn't done anything. Ah. Um, so after three times, I, I finally said, okay, I'm done. I've fulfilled my obligation and I'm moving on. So uh, th those are my experiences with this. Um, it is hard, though, you know, sometimes you don't know how uh, you offend someone. I think I offended Hillel. I wanted to ask for an apology, but I don't want to embarrass you on this forum. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, talk to you later. Um, so um, anyway, uh, but anyway, that's th those are my experiences. With it. But overall, I think it's pretty powerful, actually. People are pretty surprised when you come out of the blue and do it. Well, that's a, that's a good point. Can I just make a comment? Because I had this experience. It really bothered me. Um, I was working with a psychiatrist. Back. He worked for me. He was a contractor. We, we carpooled into work together. Uh, we went to lunches together. He came over and watched the Super Bowl, all that kind of stuff. And then I tried to contact him, and he didn't respond. So I contacted him again, didn't respond. And I, and I, he just wouldn't respond. I, I finally apologized. I said, if I did anything, I'm sorry. Could you let me know? I'd like to know if I, in some way, offended you or something. Uh, he would never, ever respond. I tried numerous times. 
haven't been able to let it go. I mean, to this day, I have no idea what happened. And that, that's several years now. Wow, wow. Crazy story. I mean, you hear about people who, you know, who didn't speak to each other for decades. And, you know, decades later, you, you find out there was some kind of misunderstanding or something. It, was, it wasn't even something real. And um, um, or, or people get older, they mature. And, like, you know, the finally, the, the, as they say in Hebrew, yasa seichel yasa hazman. What the what the mind cannot accomplish, time can accomplish. So time heals, and people are ready to forgive. And uh, you know, it's it's so it's so important. I see we have some. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Let us go on to number three. When do we say these words? When he angered his fellow. If he angered his Torah teacher, then the rule gets a little stricter. You got to go many times until he is appeased. Oh. Now here we're getting a, a qualifier on what we learned in the previous halacha. Even when he upset his fellow. If you want to be strict with yourself and go to him many a time, meaning beyond the three times, that is okay. You have the right to do so. That's from the Gemara, according to Rashi's explanation. As long as there's not an embarrassment of the Torah. So that means if there's a Torah scholar who offended someone and now he keeps going to the guy again and again, the guy won't forgive him, then that's not good because that becomes like embarrassment to the Torah. But for if, it's not a, if that's not an issue, then it is you have the permission to continue going to the person and trying to forgive. So I think that goes back to what I was saying before. Is is it's not necessarily that you're writing it off and saying, oh, I'm right and he's wrong. It's that you fulfilled your obligation. But really, if you want to go beyond the letter of the law, you would continue going and trying to get this person to forgive you. Although, I would also say that sometimes leaving the guy alone <laughs> could also help towards gaining forgiveness. If you're annoying him every day with your requests, you may have a new thing to ask, to ask him forgiveness. I told you, leave me alone. So, and something, Bill, what you were saying is that sometimes you, you can try with other people, who, you know, with mutual friends. You could ask the mutual friend, say, hey, can you reach out? I'm sure you tried that, but you try a mutual friend to reach out and say, um, you know, I, our mutual friend asked me to reach out to you. Is everything okay? I don't want to mix in, but just, you know, whatever. That could be an option as well. Okay, any questions or comments? Jonathan, I can't hear you. Oh, one second. I got to put on off my mute. Go ahead. Why is it a different rule for a Torah teacher than for a normal peer? It's a great question. I don't know. I don't know. Because you're setting yourself up how many we have seven nud, potential nudniks on this call now. <laughs> so you you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to yeah, yeah. be uh very persistent right right it's a good question i don't know 
Got to have the research team look into it. Anybody else? Question or comment? On the same topic, is it uh, related only to Jewish people or you can, you know, if you offend somebody who is not Jewish? I think it means everyone. Although there's a particular obligation when it comes to a fellow Jew, just as there would be a particular obligation regarding your own family member, that would be more important to have peace with your own brother than with your cousin or than with your third cousin. So in a similar vein, we have a greater obligation to make sure we have peace with our Jewish brothers and sisters. But it doesn't mean that we don't have an obligation to say, I'm sorry to anyone that we may have offended. Okay, thank you. Okay, number four. Here we get to what Jonathan was saying earlier. The Hamoichel, the person whose job it is to forgive, the person who was offended, Lo He should not be an Achzor. An Achzor is a cruel person or callous person. And he should not be so callous as to not forgive. Or I think there's another interpretation, which is don't be don't don't forgive in a cruel, callous way, because that's there's also also what I think Hillel was alluding to earlier is like you're saying you're saying I forgive you, but you can do it in kind of a, a cruel way as well. Which is you don't really mean it or, you know, you make the person beg or something like that. So I think this could have two meanings. One is you shouldn't be a cruel person and not forgive at all, but also in the way that you forgive. You shouldn't do it in a, in a cruel way. Ella, rather, uh, rather, you should, you should, you should forgive right away. Okay, so that 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 lends itself to both interpretations as well. Don't be cruel, and and, and you should forgive and forgive right away. But the forgive the right away also lends itself to the second interpretation, which is that when you make when you schlep it out and you make the person really beg, that's not the nicest way to do it. So you should not be callous in your forgiving. Rather, you should forgive right away instead of schlepping it out and torturing the guy and making him spill his guts. You see that he's, he's that he is. Uh, if you see that he is really sincere in his contrition, just forgive him. Let him go. There are two exceptions where you don't have to forgive right away. The first exception is where you intend for the benefit of the person asking for forgiveness. This comes from the Ramah, Rabbi Moshe Yisrlish. You see the person, he's not really humbled. And he's maybe he is just going through the motion. And if you forgive him right away, you see that this it really was a joke. And the person doesn't really deserve to be forgiven. And it's, it's, his, 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 his asking for, for forgiveness was not sincere. He's not really humbled. So it's okay to say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to forgive you in that case. Oy, another situation where you might not forgive right away is that you're worried that if you forgive the person, something bad may happen to you. And I'm guessing that that means the guy will do it again if he sees it's so easy to gain forgiveness. I'm guessing that that's the meaning. This is from the Gemara. Then you don't have to forgive him. Your life takes precedence over the life of your fellow. So this guy needs forgiveness. But you need a guy that doesn't drive you nuts. So your need to not be bothered and offended by this person constantly 
of supersedes this this person's need to be forgiven. You don't have to forgive him if you're going to suffer for it. Right? They have this idea in the desert, you know, they have they only have one cup of water. I got only enough cup of water for me, but there's another guy, he needs water. I don't have to give away my cup of water to save his life because I need it for my own life. So this is the idea, the chayav koidmin l'chayachavere. Your life takes precedence over the life of your fellow. If the person slandered you, he said something about you that's not true. Gave out a bad reputation, literally. Then you don't have to forgive him at all. Ooh, quite an exception. Even if he comes and asks you many times, you don't have to forgive him. Such an egregious offense. Why? Why is it different? Because there could be that there are people who heard the slander. They didn't hear that the, the slanderer came and asked you for forgiveness. And they might think that if when you forgive them, that, that the slander was true. So now this person is not, no, is not free of suspicion. So you're in your rights, within your rights, not to forgive him because even though he, he was contrite and he felt bad, but the effects of his offense live on. Nevertheless, says the Alter Rebbe, it is the attribute of humility to, to forgive a person if he's contrite, even in a case where he slandered you, which means that the, that the pain and the offense is ongoing, even after his contrition. But the, the attribute of, of humility is to forgive the person even in that case, because in the end he was contrite. And that comes from the Yamshal Shloime, the Marshal Rabbi Shlomo Lorya. Comment or question? This one blew me away. I learned this eight years ago, this halacha. So let's, the only exceptions for forgiving someone is, so, is, is either if they've asked for forgiveness and you deem it to be disingenuous or this slander. So any other heinous thing that someone has done to you, someone stole your wife, someone kidnapped your kid. I mean, the most horrible thing if they ask for forgiveness from you and you determine that it's genuine, the halacha is you must forgive them. Well, this here... blew me away. Rabbi, why? I, I thought it was hashkacha. Everything happens for a reason. The most heinous thing is supposed to grow from it. Do I have that right? And wh- how would you, uh, I mean, to a guy in the street, this would sound ridiculous. The most heinous thing someone does to you, if they ask for forgiveness, except, you know, Except for, I guess, slander, you gotta forgive them. It's a good point. Good point that this is the only exception that he's giving. Uh, I have a question also. The, the, the same, on the same token, you know, that uh, when uh, King David is, you know, dead bad, you know, he told Shlomot not to forgive people who actually slandered him and did kind of, kind of things, you know, so. To basically get even with them, you know, he wasn't forgiven them either. You know, he was a very obviously very holy man, King David. And as, right, uh, that's a very. Good. Was, you know, for me, it was kind of you know uh, tough question. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, that's a great question. So let me first address Jonathan's question. 
even though I don't know the answer to either question. <laughs> I'll start with Jonathan's question. It's a very good question. I, I would look to see if maybe there are other exceptions. But from here, it does seem that this is something specific because there are the pain is still out there. Um, I mean, you could extrapolate from there that in any case where, you know, the pain is ongoing, you know, it's not a one-time thing, something that could be ongoing, that that could be a similar situation. But let's assume that the Alter Rebbe really is saying that you should, you should, um, you should forgive anyone regardless of the sin. So, first of all, the fact that he's saying you should doesn't mean that it's easy, right? It doesn't mean that it's easy. And depending on the egregiousness of the sin, right? He says, don't be callous and withhold forgiveness. Obviously, if it's a major crime, like you were saying, a kidnapping of a child, God forbid, or something like that, then clearly you're not going to consider the person callous for not being forgiving. So I think that there's a spectrum there. At the, but at the end of the day, I think certainly at the level of attribute of humility, which he's saying is ultimately, ultimately you're set you to, to have forgiveness in your heart is to say, you know, the person made it, made a mistake. If they're really contrite, if they're really contrite, they're not the same person who committed the crime. The person that committed the crime was one person. Now that the person, the person has really has to have changed and it's not the same person. And so to hold them and hold the, the grudge against them for something that they did, but now they have, they have changed, they have moved on from that, and they become a different person, that's where the place of forgiveness might come. That's what I would, that's what I would say. Do you think Hashkacha Pratis also factors in? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a, there's a, you know, a theological part of it, which is you know, that this was supposed to happen, and so on and so forth. But I'm not sure if, if, if that's going to, to do it. I think that there's a, um, you know, you have to come to really forgive that person because that person wasn't doing it for your good. You know, God had everything in mind for your good, but that person ultimately was committing a crime. I mean, I hear what you're saying. You could, it could, through the philosophical side of it, which is knowing that this was meant to happen to you and for whatever reason that person was the agent through which it happened, that could help in finding forgiveness but it's possible right Say, you have that attitude as long as it doesn't kill you then you can somehow grow from this horrible thing yeah yeah is there another side, is there another side um possibly possibly another side to this which is that the forgiving it's actually letting go of the anger in other words you're not saying you do anything right and the judgment is really God's. It's not ours. It's God's judgment. But we're, we're stepping away from this role of God of being angry and holding on to the anger because we're judging. And therefore, we're free because the anger hurt us. If you hold on to that anger long enough, that's going to hurt. So um, you've got to let go of it. Excellent point. It's a great point, Doctor. So what you're saying is that you think that you are being self-sacrificial when you forgive. You're actually doing something for your own benefit you're getting something out of your head free rent something that's living free rent in your head you're getting it off you're getting it off of your chest you're getting it off of your heart you're releasing anger you're going to live longer just to make a point anger comes from a feeling of powerlessness and fear that's where it comes from almost every time 
if we go back to the original cause, we felt powerless and fear and powerlessness and fear when that happened. If we can go back and let go of that, we can get back to a, a sense of um, assertion rather than anger, and we get rid of that that judgment and anger that that hurts us. It's powerlessness and fear that's under that. The anger is not strength. It, it it masks the strength. It's not. Beautiful, beautifully said. Thank you, doctor. Wow, fantastic. Okay, this is good stuff. Should we keep going? All right. Bill, by the way, I love your new screen name. No more Bill Zika, now 770. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a whole new system going on, and I don't know how to change the name. I'm not very, I'm not very tech. Leave it's a it. good name. It's a good name. Leave Everybody it. likes the name. It's a great name. I would keep it. Okay. All right. So where are we now? Oh. Now we're moving along where the person that we offended, he passed away. And he's no longer alive. You can't send him a box of chocolates. He won't know what to do with it. The emails, if he passed away, Misha Pasha Maybe Adam, you bring ten people. And you put in you bring them to the person's grave. The Oimer and you say in front of these ten people, Chatosi Lilike Israel, I sinned before the Lord of Israel. And I sinned to this fellow, this guy buried right here, Shepashati Kenegdai. And you have to go there barefoot. That's interesting. However, if this person is not so close to you, so we're talking about three parses away. A parsa is a Persian measure of distance equivalent to a little more than two miles. So if the person is six miles away from you, that's where he's buried. Now you could argue today that you can get there much quickly, quicker. It could be it could be a little further. But if he's six miles away from you, you don't have to go there yourself. You can send an agent to ask forgiveness on, behalf, on your behalf. And it, but that also needs to be done in front of 10 people. So this is very interesting. If he's close by, you got to go there yourself with 10 people and make this announcement. you got to be barefoot. If he's six miles away, you can send an agent and do that as well. Wow. What do you think of that, friends? Anybody have a comment on that? Pretty, pretty heavy. Don't wait for them to pass away. Yeah. Ask for forgiveness <laughs> before they pass away, I would say. That's it. I like it. It's like kind of a punishment for you. That's why, you know, you cannot drive a car in them, you know. So it's, it's supposed to be your humility, you know, that you go barefoot. When right. So. I see. Yes. Don't show up there on, on a white horse. That's right. Interesting. I was thinking that it just meant that while you're there, you have to be barefoot. But you're saying it means the actual travel there should be without shoes. That makes more sense. Okay. Um, let's see where this whole thing comes from. It comes from the Gemara. It's in the Gemara. Gemara says this. So the parsing is about two miles. Yeah. Two miles. All right. 
Even if one spread a disparaging report about the deceased in his lifetime, still asking his forgiveness in front of these 10 people at his grave will be helpful because we assume that the dead person, if he was alive, would forgive, would forgive him. So in other words, he's saying, a person might say, why should I bother going to his grave? This is something that people... People don't even have to forgive while they're alive. So the Taz says, don't worry about that. Most people probably would have forgiven you. Number seven, if, if you shame the person, you curse the person, disgrace the person after his death, then you don't have to go to his grave. Rather, you can ask for forgiveness from wherever it was that you shamed him. In other words, Presumably what the meaning of this is, is that it's not as, as egregious a sin to shame a person after their death. Ah, okay, here at number eight, the Alter Rebbe says what I had guessed earlier. Even though it's all year round that you should immediately go and try to gain forgiveness from somebody whom you offended. Nevertheless, on Erbium Kippur, you have to be extra stringent about this. Why? So that the heart of the Jewish people will be complete with one another. And there should be no place for the Satan to level accusations against us. So here you have the idea that on Erbium Kippur you have an added, added inspiration and an added impetus to go and, and create peace between people because Yom Kippur is the time of divine forgiveness. And therefore, you don't want to give any room for the Satan to say, hey, don't forgive the, the Jewish people. There's fighting amongst them. Don't forgive this community. There's fighting amongst them. That's why before Yom Kippur, you want to go out of your way to make sure that you have taken care of this. This is from the Rosh, Rabbi Nwash. And Okay, number nine. It's an ordinance instituted by the sages that one may not disparage the reputation of the deceased. We don't speak ill of the dead, the straight out of the Shulchan Aruch code of Jewish law. Okay, we'll skip that one. Yud Aleph. All right, well, why don't we pause here because it's a new topic. We'll open it up to any questions or comments. Anybody? We're all good. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Torah on the Zoom.